Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am one half of your hosting team, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And I'm J.P. Miller coming to you from rural Virginia. Guys and girls, welcome to the show. Today is episode 127. JP 127 uh, coming at you hot. Now we did we did talk a little bit about Halloween. Did you uh, make it out? Did you have a good time on Halloween? Did you dress up as your favorite character, sir? I well, if my favorite character was me, then yeah, that's who I dressed up as. <laughs> I, I ate some candy, but I didn't I didn't make it out on Halloween, man. <laughs> that's uh, I'm old, that's, man. I don't, that's fair. That's fair. I don't make it to the Halloween parties no more. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Uh, well, it was, uh, you know, it's a little tougher. It's a little tougher at our age, but, um, you know, uh, there was still a good time to be had. So, you know, uh, for all of those of you guys who did get out and celebrate a little bit, hopefully, uh, you know, you made it home before midnight and the cops weren't called. That's the, that's the biggest <laughs> thing. Oh, uh, hey, JP, we have some big, big announcements this week big announcements first of all pri is right around the corner as we release this we are a month away from pri and as usual we'll be doing a fast brackets podcast live show i am very very excited about this year Uh, this is our fourth i believe episode fourth or fifth I, i guess i need to check the record books at this point but as we have done in the past uh, we will be um, doing a live show that's a lot of fun. We've done it in the past. If you are around, if you're at PRI, what you want to do is you want to make sure you are at the Ultimate Awning booth on Friday at 11 a.m. That's when we're going to go live. We will do the show. Uh, J.P. Miller will be there. I will be there. Um, I believe uh, Victoria Beener will be there, host of the Single Cylinder Report. And and then you, all our listeners, if you're there, come on by. Uh, Miles Kuhlmeister of Ultimate Awning will obviously host us again. He's been fantastic to us in the past. And he has just, uh, you know, great product for, for people who um, want to have a little shade on their uh, trailer and his product is really, really uh, slick. I mean, it's good. If you if you're in the market, you need to go check out uh, Miles Coolmeister and Ultimate Awning because it is absolutely the best product on the market for that. And we're going to be here. We're going to be in his booth Friday at eleven a.m. So it's good stuff. Uh, JP, if you go out and uh, a little bit late on Thursday night, you still have time. You still have time to get yourself together. And have a you know have a good show at Friday at eleven a.m. Yeah, definitely. It, it was a great time last year. It was my first time at PRI, and I had a ball um, doing the show live and hanging out at Miles's booth. And, and like Rex said, man, if you, if you're in the if you're in the market for an awning, check out Miles because his stuff is some of the nicest stuff on the market. It's really slick, easy to put together. Um, he'll give you a whole demonstration on how it goes together. Uh, and like anybody can do it once he shows you it just snaps together and it's really really top-notch stuff we're gonna be there so come by don't be surprised if i say hey and pull you right into the live show because we're known to do that 
<laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> we are. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, so if, if you if you go be at PRI and you're going to be hanging out on Friday, come out of Ultimate Honor Booth, hang hang out with the Fast Brackets podcast. We're going to talk about all things Fast Brackets. We like it. We like it. Speaking of, um, you know, that's big news. Obviously, PRI big news. Uh, live show again. Um, had some of our favorite friends stop by. But the other thing that's going on in the world, and this is has not been announced yet, so I I don't think we have all the final details, but Wes Buck, Drag Illustrated crew, hinting that there is going to be a big money top sportsman race coming up here soon. And I, for one, am fired up about it. I, I, I think this is long overdue for our class of racers, and it feels like it's going to be on the big stage so i don't know all the details but it is being hinted quite a bit no is that the right word to say jp yeah um west trying to trying to break the internet a little bit this week he <laughs> he kind of he kind of threw a post out there asking some questions about what was the highest paid top sports in racing you know a lot of people chimed in and you know i chimed in rex chimed in a lot of other people that we know that are involved with and love the class chimed in i like you said it's way overdue it is time to do this and do it in a major way because when you look at top sportsmen and even top dragster these are the classes that show up in the most full forces at all of these events with the most amount of cars the most amount of participation week in and week out and it is time to give these guys their due and let them go out there and race for some serious coin and and I am very very happy that this is being talked about, and I hope that it comes to fruition. Um, like I said, everybody out there knows I scream from the top of the roof. I love Top Sportsman. Um, it's the grandfather of the Pro Mod, and you know these guys. You know some of these operations are just as big and just as quick as a Pro Mod, a Pro Nitrous, or Pro Boost operation. So they they should get their due. Put some damn respect on our name. And let's go race with some real good, real good money. You heard it here uh, first. Well, actually, I don't know if you've heard it here first. If you're on the internet, maybe you heard it here first. But uh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just we'll wait. We'll wait to hear it. But uh, we'll we'll reach out to Wes and see if we can't uh, break some news like we always do. Um, yeah, this is the the number one platform in the world for top sportsmen and top drags to racing. So. And it's Why? not close. And it's not even close, JP. Like, no. it's number one by a long shot. Yeah, by miles. Like, a gap. It's not <laughs> As even <they> say. close. <laughs> there's, right. there's, no, there's, no, there's no other competition that, that does it. No. That talks about top sports and the top drags in the way that we do it. So, yeah. If, if Wes, Wes, if you're listening, man, love to have you on. Love to hear the details because I'm interested to see how how the cars will be chosen, what the format would be, the number of cars, all of that. I, you know, so I'm hoping that you can pull it together and make it happen. And and you know, Rex and I, if we can help in any way, let us know. Absolutely, JP. We've got a great guest on, along with some really hot topics to discuss. First of all, Eric Grace who is your Midwest Top Sportsman Champion this year for 2023, is going to come on and join us. Just a great dude. And then uh, we've got a handful of other things that we've got to get to. So guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. We've got a lot to say this week about one of the dumbest incidents in the history of drag racing that happened over the weekend, JP. Uh, JJ, the boss, um, give him some credit for uh, doing what he's done as a pseudo promoter, I guess, in drag racing. But what he did this past weekend at Darlington, South Carolina was incredibly stupid, put us all at risk, and I cannot believe anybody who's been around the sport of drag racing thought it was a good idea. He put some dude on the back of a pickup truck, 
Um, now the pickup truck was, uh, you know, had a topper on it and he let someone lay down on the topper, hang on for dear life. And that guy made a pass, that pickup truck made a pass and hung the hoops four feet up in the air for a hundred feet down the track. It was insane. It was a kind of fun pass to watch, but no person should be unstrapped in that vehicle. I, I could not believe it. Yeah, absolutely the dumbest thing I have seen at a drag. I don't know what is going on in 2023 to where y'all think that it's time to come to the drag strip and just act a complete ass, but um, we got to cut this out. First of all, you're putting the track at risk. You're putting the sanctioning body at risk, and you're putting somebody's life in danger. And I've I seen a lot of chatter about this, and there's people laughing about it. And if you think this is funny and you think that this is the way that you do things at a racetrack, you got no business around drag racing. And I will tell you that straight to your face. If I see you, I will not back down. I'll stand on that to the day I die. This is the most stupidest thing I have ever seen. And there's no way in the world that this man could have thought that this was a good idea. Okay, it brings you a bunch of publicity, but you put a lot of stuff in jeopardy for Darlington Dragway. You did it without permission. Um, you got this clown sitting there signing some BS waiver that means nothing. If he flies off of the back of that thing and dies, you know somebody's going to be, it's going to be a lawsuit. Who's going to pay for that? Because it probably damn sure enough wouldn't have been JJ the boss. And I don't understand what could go through your head to make you think that this was ever a good idea. If, even if the guy asked you, you should have been like, no, man, we can't, we can't do that. Um, you know, I think in some kind of way, you know, it affected Darlington sanction. But as I understand it, I think they were going back. They were switching sanctions anyway. But at the same time, you just cannot put this track in jeopardy like that. And they were not aware of this, these incidents. And they, they released an official statement today saying that they will never have that event back. So not only did you put the track in jeopardy, now you cost yourself somewhere to, to have an event. And you might be able to go to another track and have an event, but you got to understand that these sanctioned tracks and any tracks that's got any sense and any track managers that's got any sense are going to look at this type of stuff and say, hey, do we really want this guy here if he's going to be pulling this type of stuff? I mean, I get it. It's a spectacle. You're trying to bring the show. I understand what the whole, you know, street outlaw deal is about, and it has put some new eyes on drag racing, but there's no place for this type of stuff. This is not Jackass the movie. So do not bring this into our world. Um, we don't want it. And I think I speak for more than just myself. But at the end of the day, this is my opinion. We don't want to see stuff like this. It's stupid. And we got tracks closing up all over the place. We got people who are purposely getting involved in drag racing and then buying up tracks and turning them into junkyards because they don't have to go through all of the EPA regulations with land use. We don't need more tracks getting shut down behind stupid stunts. So please, if you're out there and if you're listening, let's not do this again. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot to unpack with what happened over the weekend. The first things first, I think, JP, and you're dead on with every single word you said. That being said, I think mostly we're preaching to the choir with our listeners. Right. We yeah. think that most of our listeners wouldn't ever consider doing such a dumb thing. And it's out there. It's on the it's on, you know, Facebook. If you want to check it out, that video is out there. It, it's not hard to find. Secondly, uh, I do know Jeff Miles, the track manager at Darlington. He's a good dude. He works hard. He wants what's best for drag racing. Um, personally has helped me uh, with with some of the stuff that we've done with wind lights he is he's a he's a good guy for the sport i i don't believe he had much knowledge and i don't know uh specifically but i would doubt that he had a lot of knowledge about what happened i feel like this is very rogue right very rogue. yeah as i understand it, it he was he was not aware that any of this was taking place like he it like they just did it and I don't. I think he he said he was maybe out getting supplies or something. But it, he it, this did not happen with the track knowledge. Right. It, right. It, yeah. This it, was not the Darlington Dragway did not orchestrate this this stupid stunt. 
Yeah, he so found everybody out. Needs to be clear on that. Right. He, I think he, he found out like kind of like everybody else did. That's absolutely right. And then, then and, uh, and then WDRA did what they rightfully should do, which is say, hey, that isn't acceptable. I mean, I think what John O'Neill and the guys at, at WDRA is has done has been really good. Now, I do believe that Darlington was going to change affiliations to the IHRA at the end of the season anyway. So, you know, ultimately maybe that doesn't affect just but a handful of races. We've got, you know, how many times, I don't know how many weekends they're open from here until the end of the year. That said, WDRA did exactly what they should have done when they saw that nonsense. And maybe uh, IHRA will have something to say about it. I haven't seen an announcement from them, but they might have something to say about it as well. I'm pretty sure they probably do not approve of it, and but I'm hoping that this doesn't affect what's going to go on with Darlington in the future. Uh, and you know, it's like you say, it's completely understandable for WDR. No, any sanction would have did that because they just cannot have that type of stuff and have that type of risk. It's it's not a good look. It's a black eye for the sport and it's a black eye for the tracks and. If you're out there and you think that there are not people that are trying to shut this down and keep us from being able to do this, you are sadly mistaken and you are naive. And when you do stupid stuff like this, it just gives them more fuel to the fire. When you do stuff like this, when you have physical altercations, when you have people getting stabbed, when you have people getting shot, all of this stuff that's been happening in 2023 that is not normal to drag racing, it's not good for our sport as a whole so if you care anything about this sport police yourselves accordingly police your friends accordingly if you have people that are with you that might not necessarily come to the track everybody likes to go to the track you know i'll be the first one if i'm sitting in the stands and i'm not racing i like to enjoy adult beverage and watch some racing but you gotta act like you got some sense like you're anywhere else it's not a free-for-all so let's you know let's act like we're adults here and and you know, use a little bit of common sense. Soccer moms across the country are coming for us if we do not police ourselves. And that that is an absolute fact. And uh, just this whole thing was tragic in, in our opinion. And uh, I don't know, like, I, it, it's hard to say how these things happen. I mean, that was just a spiral event. But man, was it stupid. right let's put this thing in the beams on with us now from brooklyn wisconsin he is your 2023 midwest top sportsman champion please welcome to the show eric grace eric how are you today my man i'm really good i'm really good and uh looking forward to spending a little bit of time with you guys and thanks for having me on Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, We always try to have the best of the best on this show, and you are absolutely that because we know that uh, what happens in what I would say kind of is centrally located to Chicago, right? The Chicagoland area is kind of home base for the Midwest Top Sportsman Series. It, It goes more than that, I know, but the racers there are incredibly strong. And for you to win that series, you've got to feel very, very proud about that. I really do. You bet. I, uh, I went into it this year just hoping to maybe win a race or two, and it just uh, it worked out for me, and, and, and here we are. It got tight at the end. Had a pretty good lead in the middle of the season. It got, came, came, right down to, came right down to 10 points or something like that right at the end, but uh, we hung on, so it was good. N- nicely done. So let's, let's go way back then. Let's go back to the first time. Tell us a little bit about the first time you got behind the wheel of a race car and, and what was that like and how did you get into this? <laughs> the very first time I went to the drag strip in a, in a race car, went as a spectator quite a bit when I was younger. But I guess it was 1990. I took my 1966 Impala, which uh, I still own. And uh, it was my first car. I bought it when I was 16 years old from a guy on my paper route. Took that to Union Grove, and we played around over there, and I uh, was immediately hooked. So we'd go over there during the week and 
do a little trophy racing. That was my start at drag racing. And, and, uh, so then of course, each year I wanted to make the car go a little faster and a little faster. And, and that's what we did a little more engine each year. And to the point where and I don't use the car much anymore, but the street car still, I limp it around on the street a little bit. And, uh, for a almost 4,000 pound car, the thing's been eight seventies and it's, in its current form so it's uh it's pretty cool that's that's pretty impressive actually <laughs> what uh you you clearly have the drag racing bug right a uh, little more little more we need to go a little faster part of the addiction eric that is absolutely part of the addiction um and you've clearly got that impala rolling what what power plant do you have it in now uh it's got a 620 inch uh big block chevy of course in it um, naturally aspirated through the mufflers, uh, stock suspension configuration. Uh, it's just set up well and, and works well. Um, for a street car, it's, it's pretty impressive and a lot well, of fun to drive. What do you mean stock configure, stock suspension configuration? I feel like you got a little bit of surprises in there. Well, no, the, all the mounting locations are unmodified. The only, the only modifications to the suspension on the car are bolt-on uh, control arms and shocks and uh, an aftermarket anti-sway bar or, or rear anti-roll bar, I should say. Um, and uh, other than that, it's just got bolt-on suspension stuff on it and the, the 10.5W on it. And on a good day, it... Uh, it works pretty good. It's, I was bracket racing it for a while before I started racing the car I have now. And eh, it was pretty inconsistent, of course, but, uh, but we had a lot of fun with it and plan to have fun with it again in the future. Okay. I just got to watch some guys when they say stock type suspension, they kind of usually have something <laughs> hidden there, but you seem like you pretty straight shooter. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nothing, nothing's hidden there. It's, uh, it's uh, basically an uncut frame. Um, not basically, it's a hundred percent that way. Um, so just all, all bolt, bolt on stuff that uh, uh, seems to all be pretty happy together. Well, it's very typical drag racer stuff, right? Oh yeah, I just, uh, you know, I've been making this thing a little bit faster. Now I just kind of you know, puts it around the street. What do you got in it? 620 cubic inches. Yeah. I mean, that's very standard drag racing action right there, Eric. So welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> You'll fit right in. Uh, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is Thank great you. stuff. Um, well, okay. So now that's, that's your street car. Let's talk about your race car. Tell us about the car that you won the championship with. Uh, my race car, you know, I was racing that Impala for, uh, quite a few years just racing it in pro down at Byron and uh, decided I wanted to step up, step it up a little bit. So made up my mind to buy a real race car. So I bought a, my car's a 1963 Corvette. Uh, it's a, originally, it was a, it's a Jerry Haas built. It was originally built as a, a comp eliminator car that I, uh, I bought from Richard Freeman uh it was actually richard was actually racing it himself a little bit in comp um and uh, the car was originally bet, uh built for steve kent not that name rings a bell or not but mm -hmm. uh it was a it, it's an older car it was built in 01 or 02 i believe but updated in 2014 through jerry haas's shop i bought it rolling um from richard because i didn't obviously didn't want to run comp and didn't want to run a 10,000 RPM, 358 cubic inch small block in a Liberty. wasn't going to work out for what I was doing. So he sold me the car rolling seven years ago as of last week. I bought, went down there. My wife and I went down there and bought the car and brought it home and basically set it up as a bracket car. Okay. So you, you were like, we're just going to bracket race this for a little bit until, until we get the thing sorted out. Which of course yep, you I have. I ran it. Uh, yeah, I, we set the car up with a, of course, a big block Chevy configuration. Not of course, but a 632 and a and a Power Glide. Um, and I ran it in Super Pro at Byron for a few years with 
a little bit of success and then started dabbling with uh, hot and cold, I should say, when, when I say a little bit of success, but started dabbling with the, the top sportsman guys and kind of liked that group pretty laid back and, and uh, had, a lot, had a lot of fun early with them. And you know, I guess I've been racing with them for just three years now. And two years ago, I think I was second in points. So I had a decent year. And um, so we're uh, really getting a kick out of that and uh, looking forward to doing more, of course. Yeah, you you mentioned. Uh, sorry, I, my brain a little bit, but by, you mentioned comp and comp, as we know, is the cricket of drag racing. That is just a very complicated <laughs> class to run, and it doesn't compute to a lot of brain. So I don't blame you there for one second for getting away from that. Um, and but uh, but you put the six thirty two on it. Now is that naturally aspirated, or do we we spray that a little bit? It's a naturally aspirated 632. It's nothing real fancy. Um, I get some help from a, a guy out in Mooresville named Joe Hornick, a very knowledgeable person that gives the, I lean on for advice and, and some maintenance help. So I've got a what I feel is a very good running engine for a single four barrel 632. Naturally aspirated in good air will go mid 430s. Uh, and in the heat runs mid 440s. So I feel like we've got a pretty good combination. That's moving for a, I mean, I mean for a, a naturally aspirated single four barrel. That is moving, Eric. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah you've you've set that thing Thank up you. really well. Well, yeah, you're gonna have guys reevaluating the engine programs. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I, if you would have told me, okay, I run a double car, but you know, I've got something, but. What's the trick then, Eric? Because you you obviously you've you've got onto something. What's what's the trick to making that thing run? Because that is moving for that for that setup, at least from what I hear. Well, I I guess I try hard to. What do they say? What's the old saying? Cross the T's and dot the I's, or whatever it is. I try hard to do that, um, and. Uh, we feel like there's a little more in it, though. We're not leaning on the thing real hard. And matter of fact, I just had a talk with Joe today about <laughs> well, I need to go quicker. And what can we do to go quicker? We uh, got a little taste of PDRA this year for the first time and really looking forward to doing more of that. But realizing that uh, I'm probably going to need to step it up just a little bit more. So we're, we've got some ideas without spending too much money because... That's just the way I have to do it, um, and uh, hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get it to the point where we can run 420s in good air and 430s in the heat. That's our plan. Yeah, someone someone should cue the Guns and Roses, right? I used to do a little, but a little wasn't little, so a little got more and more type thing. I think that's what we need playing in the background right now. But I I get that a hundred percent. And yeah, if you if you're you don't have a lot to do then to pick up a little bit, so I I know you'll get that way. So you're thinking that maybe uh, you you run a little PDRA next year? Is that kind of your thought? Absolutely. We're, uh, we, we went up and we got involved with the race in Michigan this year and, again, really had a good time. Uh, a very well-run operation that we were just proud to be part of um, and uh, looking forward to doing it again. We're really hoping they come back to Michigan because it's relatively close to us. Um, so we've already got our mind made up that if they do, we're going to go to that. And I think I'm probably going to go to Norwalk too, because that drive wouldn't be too bad. So I think we're going to, we're, we're thinking along those lines. Well, they, they do a nice job, right? And when you have 75 plus top sportsman cars show up, that's a really cool event from that standpoint. Um, and you will obviously feel well prepared given, you know, you're coming off such a great season, but maybe spend a little bit of time and, and talking about how, um, how, you know, how quality the series is really for that Midwest top sportsman group. I mean, I, I know some of the guys that run in that group and they're, I mean, there's no easy outs there. I mean, that is not an easy, 
easy group to run against when you're talking about guys like uh, Vince Nanini and then you've got um, you know you, you've got Kurt Frederick who has been a former Division three champion who runs there um, you know Rick Skorska we've got uh, you know Troy Finner he's Eddie, got that Eddie beautiful Bandera. car but right I mean it's it's a it's a group man that like there's no easy outs there talk about that a little bit <laughs> well first of all, just touching on Midwest top sportsmen, Sean Brady, great guy, Alex Bozak, uh, his son, Zach and Jack and Alex's wife. Uh, oh man, Barb, drawing a blank there. Right. Barb. Uh, without them, it, it wouldn't even, it, w- it wouldn't be anything. Um, they, they, they really put a nice little program together and, uh, I know there's a lot of time spent behind the scenes that we don't that we don't know that we don't see just to put this thing all together just so that we can go race. And uh, I uh, have the utmost respect for those people. Um, and uh, I, again, without them, it, it wouldn't be a series. So I know I'm, that's not what you were asking, but just wanted to make sure and put a plug in for that group because. Uh, uh, because they're much appreciated. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Putting an eight race series together is no easy task. I mean, JP, you do three every year and you're like, Hey, I, I work very hard to do that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's extremely difficult. I, I don't, I don't think I could imagine doing eight just and simply just because I do a lot of it by myself. So it will be hard to be able to do that and I race also so I'm it's kind of hard to do that and race at the same time so when you can put together a quality eight race series like like what they've done at Midwest uh hats off to and um it it looks like from where I'm sitting a great series yeah there's no doubt couldn't agree more talk to us a little bit about I know you won early right you won early in the series um and obviously you start every year kind of with some optimism right but after you won uh i think it was the second race you won the second race i mean you you were like hey i got got a chance here i think it was the first race i didn't look back at the schedule uh but i I think it was the first race that uh had some track issues at cordova before the final uh so we ended up running the final of that race at the next race at byron um, which was a two dayer. That was kind of a fun weekend. Uh, we finished the race on finished the Cordova race on Saturday. Won that, and uh, so then Saturday, same day, we have a whole nother race. Got to the final the same day, and two finals in the same day. So it was it was really a, did not did not win with that race. So got got beat to Vince Nanini. I heard his name a little bit ago from you, but. Uh, um, and then Sunday, uh, Sunday isn't even worth talking about. The <laughs> second day of the whole deal, but uh, but yeah, good start to the year. Obviously, had a lot of fun. You know, the points kind of came along with it naturally. Not, not that that's what we're there for, but um, but yeah, I guess we are. Anybody that says they're not there, points a little bit is probably lying. But uh, back to what I said earlier, we truly go to the track to have fun, and you know, winning and. You know, winning this little championship is just a bonus. So, and then we uh, we won another, a second race mid-season. Had a real good day at Byron, where one of them days that I don't know if I've ever had, I know I've never had a day like that where you just couldn't do anything wrong. You uh, were good on the tree, you went throughout down there, drove the finish line, and it just, just seemed easy that day for some weird reason. And uh, that was a great day. Got a pretty good points lead. Uh, let that dwindle towards the end there and came right down to a, a round on the last weekend. So it was, it was interesting and a lot of fun. Yeah. It makes it exciting, right? It makes it very exciting and, and, uh, and worth, worth doing right now, you know, there was a challenge that you overcame and, and it's, it's worth doing. If it was just handed to you, that wouldn't be much fun, would it? Oh no, absolutely not. No, hundred percent. And uh, it just uh, keeps you coming back. Let's put it that way. I'm practically counting the days going back to the track again. 
Yeah, you're in Wisconsin, so uh, that's it's probably done for the year up there. Is that right? We we have any yep. more track oh, days? Oh yeah. And, nope. They we've been done with our race stuff for about a month, and uh, what I call my home track, which is Byron, they uh, they closed her down for the year a couple weeks ago. They had some testing tune weekends here as of late, but uh, I think was it last weekend or the weekend before they were they called her. They called her for the season, so you know it starts getting pretty cold at night around here. And, and uh, as you plainly know, you're in Indy, so it's not a whole lot different. But uh, oh no, it's a little different. Don't try to drag me into that no. Wisconsin nonsense. No, absolutely <laughs> yeah, not. not. I was gonna say, <laughs> I never been to Wisconsin, but I seen like some. I watched some Packer games. It looks like a different type of cold <laughs> than anything that I want to deal with. <laughs> No, no, no. Listen, it's Joe Harnick's name. Right, right. No, it's. I mentioned, I mentioned Joe, Joe Harnick's name earlier, but when I talk to him, he's out in North Carolina. You know, when I talk to him, we talk about temperature, and I say it's 50 degrees. He says, Is that above? Above zero? Or is that below zero? <laughs> There's a lot, a, of joke. Truth, a lot of truth to that. But, you know, um, yeah. it's, a, it's a good time to be up there because, A, you can get on a snowmobile. I don't know if you get on a snowmobile. It's one of the funnest things I do. Uh, I really enjoy mm-hmm. that. And then, have you been to the to the ice lake races up there where you race on the ice? Have you done that, Eric? I I've been there as a spectator up in Lake Wisconsin. We've yep. been up there before. Um, uh, it's been quite a few years, but it's pretty cool. I don't know if you still can. Back then, you could just drive your vehicle right out on the lake and sit in your car and watch. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's pretty neat stuff. I haven't done it in years, but uh, for whatever reason, you always think you're too busy, I guess. Um, but uh, now that you've mentioned it, that would be a fun thing to go do again this winter. Several. This has been a couple of years, but I had the folks on. Um, on yeah, it was episode number thirty-six. It is the Merrill Ice Races. And go back to our for our listeners. Go to episode number thirty-six. First of all, Sandy Wilkins was on that. He's great. Um, and then it was the Merrill Ice Racers up there, and it's fascinating that these people instead of slicks they put uh, studs in the in the, the slicks, and then they race Correct. on the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they it, it, the lake freezes, and they race it on the ice. They set up a hole timing system the whole thing it's fascinating but uh you know there's lots to do up in wisconsin for sure outside of racing but uh man you got to be prepared for that action up there <laughs> i think yeah to be perfectly honest i like like the cold a little bit less each year but uh <laughs> love spring and fall yeah i i can see that but you've you've got a little bit of action to do over the winter you mentioned potential upgrade to the car but you've mentioned to me off the air that, you know, if you go to this PDRA um, event, you may take both cars, right? You've got a dragster as well? I do. I've got a, a dragster that we built just a couple of years ago just because uh, I, I've always been a little, I, I love my door car and uh, would always pick my door car over a dragster, to be honest with you, but was always intrigued about driving a dragster. Uh, so I just decided to, to build a dragster so i bought a roller and uh we put that together and uh, this this year was this last season was the first full season i ran it in super pro and had some fun in it and had some good days and some not so good days of course uh, but i got that thing running pretty good and uh i think it could be it could qualify at some of the top dragster events um so yeah i would uh logistically like to figure out how I could get both of these cars to a, to a PDRA race, you know, possibly Michigan again, if they come back and, uh, and run both classes in such a laid back environment up there that I don't see why it would be, uh, very too stressful at all to run two cars. I think it would be not only exciting, but, uh, a whole lot of fun. We're we're going to try and we're going to see if we can't figure that out. Yeah, you can get some advice. Uh, JP, remind me, TJ Pascal and who else runs both sides of that? Uh, uh, Nick Maloney. Nick Maloney, thank you. Chad, Chad, uh, Chad Trailer, all of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they run a dragster and a uh, door car. So I think the key to it is having a 
having a scooter <laughs> that and having somebody to take the car back and then you jump on a scooter and come back to the staging lanes. It's, it, it's like sometimes you can turn it around quick, but then Chad was like, sometimes you got to have like a scooter there and then you just kind of run back to the staging lanes and they already got the car up there. But it, it can definitely be done. There's some logistics there. Yeah, if I remember right, they run those classes back to back. And uh, yeah. uh, that could be, uh, I don't know, you get yourself in a groove, and I think it'd be a good thing to hop right in another car and have another hit yeah. at the tree right away. So, yeah, I think you're going to have to probably take one up like early when they call and then the other one up late. So you make sure that you get, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. But I think your point about outside the logistics, having a rhythm as a driver is beneficial. And I think, I think you're onto something there potentially. So we wish you well, Eric, we wish you well on that and keep us posted. Will you keep us posted if you make that trip and, and uh, we'll be rooting like crazy for you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's uh that's great stuff. Um, thank you for coming on and congrats again for winning, uh, the 2023 Midwest top sportsman championship. That is uh, really cool stuff and extremely well-earned. So uh, congrats and uh, congrats to you and, and everybody else that helps you, your crew. Um, you mentioned your wife earlier. Um, anybody else go with you? Is it Who all goes with you on your on when you go racing? My crew is my, my beautiful wife, Nicole, who just supports me in this deal like no other. Uh, without her, I, I, I couldn't do it. Uh, and my sons, my, I have two, we have two boys, Jared and Bryce, and they love to go to the racetrack. They keep me in check. They've learned a lot about how the whole thing operates, and I feel like some days when we're there, they, they're telling me what to do. They're telling me what number to put on the car, and they're telling me what air pressure to run in the tires, and, and, uh, and I listen. And uh, we, I feel like we're uh, getting to be a good little team. But most importantly, having fun. I can't say that enough. Yeah, well, that's that's good stuff. Uh, we'll keep winning because if I know anything about sons, they're going to want to be behind the wheel before too long. So keep winning <laughs> so that they don't they don't try to sneak in there. Yeah. <laughs> well. If we don't, it won't be because we're not trying. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> right. Um, Eric, thanks so much for coming on. Congrats on a great season. Guys, girls, Eric Grace, if you need him. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com for all your high horsepower legal needs Dial up our friend Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. JP, we have a couple things to talk about uh, in at the Half Track Report here. The first of all, our buddy Doug Crumlich, Crummy, who has been a huge fan of the show and a friend of the show. My man moved from the West Coast, moved East Coast, Georgia, if I remember right. And he went home, he went to Vegas, and doubled up back-to-back at the national event and then at the divisional week later. I mean, and and I have to say this. When I met Doug Crumlich, he was not only a good dude, but incredibly hospitable to me. So uh, I really appreciate that, and I feel like that's some karma for him. We know about the Fast Brackets karma. We know that. And I feel like that's from karma from him, but he absolutely killed it um, at the national event and in the divisional event, winning Wally's both both sides back to back. So he, when he does make the trip back home to the East Coast, he's going to be carrying some extra hardware. So congrats to Doug Crumlich uh, for doing what is uh, not easy at all. Yeah, uh, great weekend for him. Um, Great couple of weeks for him. So just goes to show, not where you're from is where you're at. That's, that's no doubt. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about 
the NHRA national standings. Uh, Mike Moorhead had a great event. He actually met Doug Crumlich in the final of that uh, national event. Uh, looks like Mike is going to get uh, second. Doug is now in third place in the national points from the top sportsman standpoint. I do not believe anybody's going to catch Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller has it locked up. Uh, so congrats to Brandon Miller winning the top sportsman national championship. But on the top dragster side, we have some drama. This is really good stuff here. So in first place, and this is uh, after the Vegas National and Divisional, Clint Geis is sitting number one. He has 618 points. Your number two points earner so far is Vince Mussolino. Vince has 609 points. So let me set the stage here for you because this is fascinating for me and I think is really cool uh, stuff when it comes down to the wire. My understanding is that Vince Mussolino has left Bridgeport, New York and is on his way, if he if not pulling into and parking in Pomona, California right now for this event. Um, and he is probably parked within, you know, uh, viewing distance of Clint Geis, who is from Renton, Washington. Still long haul, right? Washington to L.A. is a long haul. Not as long as it takes you to get from uh, from New York to L.A., I mean, essentially, Vince Mussolino does the cannonball run to get from New York to L.A., right? That's that's what he does across country, make that trip. But here's what's fascinating. Clint Geis is actually in first place. He's nine points up. Every round in the NHRA is worth a minimum of 10, essentially 11. Let's call it 11 to make things uh, super simple. Vince, though, is going to improve a first-round loss, so means he's going to get, if he wins first round, he's going to have 30 points or go to 42 points. Clint already has has a first round win and a second round loss on his claimed points already. So in many ways, Vince just has to go the same amount of rounds that Clint does this weekend in order to win the national championship. So it's it's really kind of fascinating. So I don't know what um, you know Clint's thought process were if he would try to match up with him in the first round and knock him out and not let him get to second round and kind of control his own destiny, or if he just goes and runs his race and hopes that he goes one more round than Vince does. Does, does that make sense? I mean, it's it's a little complicated, but but really, even though Vince is in second place, he's really in control because if he goes the same amount of rounds as Clint, he wins the national championship, which is really, really fascinating. Yeah, that was a good breakdown on that, Rex. I, I look at that stuff and I'm kind of like, all right, what is this and improving on this? And <laughs> I get kind of, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It looks like it's all going to come down to Pomona and um, it'll be interesting to see what approach these two guys take to try to get this championship. Yeah, the good news is the, the announcers on the NHRA level, they do understand uh, what it takes and they, they understand how important it is to, you know, our top dragster, our sportsman competitors, and they, they will have the complete breakdown. But I, uh, for one, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get, you know, overly excited about it, but I, but I'm going to be watching this. I'm going to be checking out Vince Mussolino, Clint Geis going wire down to the wire, um, you know, in Pomona, Vince needing to just match at Clint's uh, rounds there in order to win the national championship. And Clint, even though he's in the lead, has to go one more round. Very, very cool stuff and something to pay attention to this weekend as uh, we, f we finish up the NHRA season, man. Yeah, um, like I said, it's it's always exciting to see the points chases come down to the wire and come down to the last race. So glad we got a little bit of drama at the end here. And that's a uh, two long hauls for both of those guys, but it's good to see them out there if they're going for it. And that's what it's all about. It, it's an absolutely huge haul. I mean, I, I I don't know. I haven't put the map to it, but I mean, those are not easy trips, but. You got to do it right. If you have, you don't ever pass up the 
the window time just to hope that you can hang on? Like you got to go do it, right? I mean, you got to go well, do that. How many how many opportunities at the championship do you get? You know, you could say, "Oh, I'll just come back and try to do it next year," and you could have a terrible year. If you're if you're that close in striking distance, I feel like you got to go. Yeah, that's why it's so exciting, and I think both of those guys get it. They're both excellent racers, but man, oh man, to win the national championship, uh, going to be a very, very cool weekend. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for a second, and J.P. Miller, let's go to Vegas last weekend, uh, the Vegas Vegas Nationals and the NHRA side. It was the second to last event on the NHRA national event schedule. And when it comes to the fourth round or fourth round of qualifying, everybody got disqualified. It seems like NHRA DQ'd almost half the field, right? In pro stock and in funny car, they DQ'd a lot of people. What was going on there? What on earth was going on there? Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess it was uh, several rules and fractions, and uh, I guess NHRA decided to put their foot down. And I, I think, um, I think some of it was a little controversial. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I know. I thought I heard something about something went down with Clay Milliken that was like six days after the fact. Uh, strange, strange stuff coming from NHR here, like NHRA here lately with the, you know, the the confiscating of motorcycles and the disqualifying people. <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, I like I will tell you this: like uh, my neighbor got DQ'd. Who, who's your neighbor? He's he he doesn't even race. He just he's just a banker. He just got DQ'd. NHRA just showed up and DQ. I mean, that's what they were doing. They were just DQing everybody out there. They were was this the, is this the neighbor with the bike with the, the Harley? <laughs> yeah, they came over and was DQ'd this, him. Was this for excessive revving or? <laughs> that's right. They, or was they, this the karaoke machine neighbor? <laughs> well, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the excessive revving for sure. Okay. Uh, that's uh, that's exact. But they but the point is they were DQing a lot of people. Um, and in the pro stock ranks specifically, I thought it was very odd because they DQ'd uh, half of the elite team for improper wiring of a fire bottle, I think it what it was, and which doesn't, I mean, it's a safety, it was a safety version, right? It was something along with safety, which I thought was really bizarre because if you're going to DQ someone for a safety violation, meaning they don't have the proper equipment, that should be done before first round, shouldn't it? I mean, that um, shouldn't be. You're yeah, not doing that these, after a qualifying these session. These cars right? go through tech, right? Absolutely, they do. So if it's an issue, then it should be caught at tech. I would think that you. I don't know how do you tech a car, and then let it go on to compete, and then disqualify for something that you should have caught in tech if it was an issue. And what is on a? I don't. I mean, I guess I'm sure they have something that's uh, automatically activated with the fire system yeah and i get they want to keep the racer safe that i get that much i didn't i did not understand why it was a safety violation of something that uh, after a qualifying run to me after you know after they go through tech what they should be policing is performance violations not safety violations right so if it's a performance racing that's fine yeah, I would think the only thing that they should really be looking at is when they go across the scales, are they making weight, fuel checks, things like that. I don't, you know, you would think that, like I said, the fire bottle, all of the safety stuff, that would be checked prior to them even being allowed on the track. Absolutely. Because if it was an issue, why did you allow them on the track? So this is this is strange. I mean, it, do you think there's any other motive out there behind some of this stuff or – I'm not going to go into motive, but what I will say is what continues to bug me is that the NHRA seemingly is mysteriously silent when they do this stuff. There should be a presser. There should, you know, Glenn should come out there or somebody else should come out there and go, hey, here's what happened. Here's why we dinged them. And it could be as something as simple as saying, hey, we care about the racers. We want to keep them safe. So we tech the cars to a safety level. The fact that there is no presser, 
the fact that there was no real release outside of classracer.com, I mean, they just put it on a, it's not a random website, but it's, it's not a public website that everybody knows about. And yeah. the fact that it's it's not a public thing, that's what bothers me more than anything. I, I You and I say this all the time. You said this earlier in the show. You say, I would say it to their face. That's how I operate too. Nothing I say on this show is ever going to get back to somebody else and you know be like, ooh, I, I didn't think that you were going to say. I would say what I say to everyone I know or don't know to their face. That's how I operate. The, the fact that there wasn't a presser or a release saying here's exactly what happened it just it it bugs me i don't know man it just bugs me yeah it's that's very 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 weird that the way that they it's it's been weird with them here lately the way they're operating with with this type of stuff and 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 like you say doing it in silence and not really giving any in you know anybody a reason i mean at a minimum the racer should know what in the world is going on and and I don't yeah. think that's new, for one. That's not a new phenomenon. And I don't ultimately think that the NHRA does that to be deceptive or to be, I don't know, evil isn't the right word. But, you know, like it's not trying to be nefarious. <laughs> but it it just is like, why not? Why not tell people what the heck is going on? Right. I'd, I'm I'd, quite I'd, sure the intent is not nefarious. But when you operate in that manner, <laughs> it could be perceived as being nefarious correct the perception is what we're yeah what we're worried about so i don't know nhra like just have a presser say here's what's going on everybody the the controversy would go away for the most part and you would get the drivers who are the entire show by the way you would get more endearment out of them you don't have to make yep. it you don't have to make it uh association versus the drivers that does not no, have be... to happen it should be a family thing. It should be they're a part of the association. You should work together with them to put forth the best races and the best shows that you can. And if anybody from NHR is listening, feel free to reach out to us and come on and we can talk about it. Absolutely. Like, uh, let's, we're all in this together. As we hit the mile per hour cone, JP, we've got a couple things, man. Uh, as drag racers do, they push the limits, they set records, and they do it going extremely fast. Uh, we talked last episode about Todd Moyer setting a new mile per hour record at the Northeast Outlaw Pro Mod Association event. And JP, Todd said, um, I can do that there. And I will also do that at your professional drag racing association event. Also, he goes back and Turbo Todd, whew, dude, he goes 358 at 227 miles per hour in the eighth mile, sir. That's what he did. And he backed it up. It's pretty insane. Actually, the record is uh, three. 0.573. So he goes 357.3 um, at uh, 227 miles per hour. Todd getting it done. I mean, absolutely getting it done. I mean, and this, th this is he. <laughs> this is almost comical. If it, if I didn't know somebody like you know an expert like Brett Kepner wrote this and I read it, I would think it's a typo. He set the record by seven mile per hour. How do you how do you do that? How do you break the record by seven mile per I, hour? Listen, that, that's why he's that's why they call him Turbo Todd Moyer. I mean, he's he's been around this game for a while, and he's always been fast. And I mean, I full disclosure, I am not a turbo guy at all. But that car is impressive, man. Uh, I was there in Maryland. <laughs> when he went 227 and i was like wow i mean that thing just it just hauls so i mean what can you say hats off the top man uh keep hammering at him it's it's kind of insane right like i mean and i <laughs> the pro mod guys are actually going away from turbos for the most part and the reason is because they can't control them it's too much power i mean have you ever heard drag racer say that before and you know, I heard it from more than one person in the pro mod rank saying, 
Uh, it's too violent. It's too much power. We can't control it. And we don't want to be half track when these things come in and send us sideways into the wall. It's, yeah, they are. it's insane. But Turbo Todd does not care. Setting records everywhere. I don't know what he's going to do next year, but I mean, I guess he could, uh, I, I don't know, but it's insane. So congrats to him. Um, that though was not the only thing that happened, um, in terms of a record JP, uh, the world cup happened, uh, last week as well. Uh, this is the import versus domestic stuff that Jason Miller does at uh, Maryland international. You're a little bit familiar with that. I am not so much, but are you familiar with a guy named, the natty Raphael Menina from Smithfield, Virginia. He's a Virginia guy. I feel like you should know him. <laughs> I don't seriously. Is he? He's a Virginia guy. Now I, he. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> but now, that he, that would explain that explains a lot. Then um, that explains a lot. Now he because uh, <laughs> just you just think because he's from Virginia, he's gonna go fast. That's what you think. It's in the, it's in the water, man. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> well, okay. In this case, I have to give it to you. I don't know anything about the Natty other than it's a 2020 Toyota. It's a 2JZ, which I don't have any experience with, but I am told they take an extreme amount of compression and can just crank the horsepower out. And essentially... If they blow up, you can replace those things in about 10 minutes. I mean, it, it yeah, seems a, those are almost an indestructible engine, right? I mean, they're not even a, doing it's an inline six, and it's what they had in the Supras and all of that stuff. You know, you know, back in the day when the Toyota Supra was like the Toyota that you needed to have, and um. The, yeah, that's, see, that's, a, that's a strange. I'm just gonna stop. That's a strange phrase for me right now. The Toyota that you needed to have. I've never it's, once in my life said that's a Toyota I needed. Well, to have. I didn't. I'm I'm saying that people needed wanted to have the the Toyota Super was like a the Toyota Supercar something. I don't. All right, don't. all right. I'll believe you. But you're right. It's an inline six, so it's not. <laughs> it's not you know 900 cubic inches. It is an inline six two JZ like fairly indestructible because they are just putting the coals to this thing and get this in the quarter mile the natty goes 554.6 at 263.98 miles per hour so five and a half seconds in a quarter mile at 263 miles an hour faster than every nhra pro mod out there all year long and get this, this is even wilder. Do you want to have any idea? So he obviously the Natty qualifies number one. Do you have any idea what the number two qualifier was in this uh import versus domestic event? Why wasn't five fifty six? It was not a five fifty <laughs> or it wasn't a five forty or five fifty four with a six. The second place was a Zohan Zorn. Uh I sorry, I'm gonna mispronounce this. And I do not mean to mispronounce this, I just don't uh Jomar Gomez in He's from Puerto Rico. My man goes 572 at 253. So the second place qualifier is two tenths and 10 mile an hour slower than our boy, the Natty. So give it the, up. The Natty for... just rolls in and, 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 and it's just like, here, take that. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. Todd Moyer going seven miles per hour faster than the record. And then the natty just making everyone else look ridiculously slow. I mean, he's. I mean, you shouldn't ever say that someone going five seventy two in the quarter is a turtle, but uh, compared to the natty, whew, yeah. two tenths slow, unbelievable. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane, JP. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 127. And there it is. There's the wind light and the sweet, sweet sound of our girl, Laura Branigan. That's so good, JP. So, so good. Always just 
polyester and disco balls. <laughs> it does get you fired up, though, right? I mean, it does get you fired up. It makes you yep. go, go, go. I love it. Um, and it reminds us we had a great week. We had an epic, another epic week here on the show. Eric Grace, your Midwest top sportsman champion for 2023, joined us. He was a, just an all-around good dude and uh, good conversation there. We had uh, you know, the highlights, the lowlights, the good, good stuff this week. Um, and uh, we will ask you once again, please leave us a comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the show or on Facebook, too. We like those comments as well. It helps. I don't know why. You, and you can really put anything. You know, you can say, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm locked in the trunk, you know, go fast or be last. We don't care. You can actually just type anything. It helps, though. So we appreciate that. Um, so. You know that's the thing we want to want to keep pushing the the gospel of top sportsmen and dra- top dragster JP. That's what we do. Yes, sir. Comment, like, and subscribe, and share, and let everybody know. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think. How you feel about this uh, potential big money top sportsman race? Let us know how you feel about people riding on the back of trucks going down the drag strip, um, Boy. What, or whatever you want to, or how you don't feel about it, or you know. Yeah, all that stuff. All that just stuff. Uh, we want to. We want to hear. We want We want the feedback. So, let us know if you're gonna be a PRI. <laughs> no doubt, guys, girls. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.